Welcome to the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire. And in this podcast, I speak with impact-driven founders and share their real-time stories about how their solution has a positive impact on society. This is a show for founders, investors, and all individuals looking for some positivity and optimism as you hear from people working hard to help better our society and our planet. You can expect to learn about some awesome new products and services in this show that will bring you more hope in our quest to solve some of society's biggest issues. Let's dive in to this week's episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm focusing in on another nonprofit in this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast as I sit down with the founder of Anchors Outdoor Adventures, Isaiah Adams. Anchors Outdoor Adventures is on a mission to recreate what outdoor recreation in community can do in the world. They focus on having a strong internal personal foundation to weather the storms of life. And when that foundation is established, one has something to anchor themselves to. And it's the tenant they live by and that they hope to impart on the youth that they serve as they primarily work with at-risk youth. I found this solution to be a fantastic way to help at-risk youth channel some of their energies in a healthy way while building confidence in themselves and surrounding themselves with a supportive community. It's a nonprofit that impacts the youth in the region from where I'm from, the Pacific Northwest of the United States, covering parts of Oregon and Washington State. Outdoor recreation is an important part of growing up and something that gets lost more often as we continue to immerse ourselves in technology, particularly amongst the youth. Anchors Outdoor Adventures does a fantastic job at encouraging kids to get out and enjoy the outdoors. And that, of course, has been linked to better mental health outcomes. So let's learn a whole lot more from Isaiah Adams and how Anchors Outdoor Adventures positively impacts at-risk youth by introducing them to outdoor sports in this episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. Isaiah, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Excited to talk a little bit more about what we do. Yeah, Isaiah, I'm excited to have you on because what you do is, is obviously a little bit uh, more interesting than what I've seen, at least in the area and what I've covered uh, within this podcast, which, you know, we're up over 50 episodes. So I think, you know, bringing your perspective of what Anchors Outdoor Adventures does and its mission is going to be a really valuable ad and a really great episode for the listeners here as well. So without further ado, Isaiah, just give us a little bit of background about yourself, why you decided to to open up uh, Anchors Outdoor Adventures. And, and the mission that you're trying to uh, provide for the youth in the in the Pacific Northwest region. I grew up involved in outdoor sports, all varieties, water sports and snow sports um, primarily. And I noticed that there was, you know, kind of a exclusionary nature to these sports. Probably sometime in high school, early college time is when I, I noticed that there was a bit of an issue. That's problematic to me because I saw how beneficial these sports were to me in my personal life, um, helping me overcome a variety of different things when I was younger. I think they're in formative years specifically, stylistic nature of action sports and your ability to express yourself and everybody has a different style. Uh, it makes it very unique. Uh, there's not necessarily a, a right or wrong way to do most things when you're when you're going about these different sports, uh, which differs pretty drastically from a lot of traditional sports. Um, so I, that was beneficial. And then you know one of the big reasons is the adrenaline aspect and element to these sports. It's, it's uh, something that is not. That you don't get in other sports. So th those were the, the big key things that I found were extremely helpful to me. And I noticed that not everybody was having an opportunity to try these activities and wanted to help kind of bridge that gap. That's fantastic. Yeah, you make a great point too when you talk about some of the things that you're able to do in an action sport, especially with the the how individualistic a lot of them are as well, as it's kind of like that own personal challenge and that adrenaline. Sure, you can get adrenaline from the other team sports as well, but it's certainly a different type of adrenaline. And I know you got some facts about that as well. And so I want to talk about that a little bit later when we get into it um, and looking forward to that as well. But, you know, Isaiah, you talked about kind of why you wanted to start it and things of that nature as well. And then when it kind of hit for you and, and things things of that nature. But uh, when did you officially uh, found out Anchors Outdoor Adventures? When did you officially kind of open it up and, and start working on it? Yeah, so it was uh, 
winter, spring, officially April of 2018. So we are coming up on five years this upcoming April of 23. Five years. Congratulations. As that gets come out, it's quite an accomplishment. Five years, they always say, is that the, the, the really kind of crucial mark. So congratulations on that front as well. And, and with that, uh, Isaiah, too, when we talk about it, I think for a lot of people, they may not understand the challenges and, the, and some of those problems that you were alluding to, to actually get involved in some of the action sports and get involved, you know, for especially at a youth age on that front. So what are some of the barriers and things of that nature with an access to action sports? Is it kind of finances? Is it cost? Or, or what are some kind of the things that make it a little bit more difficult for the youth to kind of get on out there and, and really have an opportunity to explore this? Yeah. So finances, what you said, is the primary barrier. Um, these sports are extremely expensive, but it's also geographic. Um, you need to either live right next to a spot where you can participate in these sports or you need reliable transportation to get to it, specifically thinking of uh, water sports and snow sports, um, getting up to the mountain, getting out on the water um, is, you know, prohibitive for a lot of people. Um, and I think that's one of the kind of the assumed or a barrier that many people don't really think of is that it's like, well, if you can just pay to go up snowboarding, then you can go snowboarding. It's like, well, you need a ride if you're you know a kid you need that ride to be a four-wheel drive or some other form of reliable safe transportation and i think that's often overlooked we've had many kids come to our snow sports events and that live in the gresham area that have which i should <laughs> i should describe is a suburb of portland um, that's only about 25 minutes from the top of mount hood and They've never been to Mount Hood. So, you know, they're within 25 minutes of the top of the mountain and they still have not been up there because basically as soon as you start heading up the mountain, it gets extremely icy, and snowy. And so they, they haven't had the opportunity to get out in the snow. Um, another barrier is community, which is kind of one of the original things I brought up that since these communities are small and can be pretty close circles, it's hard to have exposure to a sport if your friend, if you don't have any friends or interaction with someone who does it. Most people pick up sports through their community. Somebody invites them to play basketball, play soccer, etc. Um, so if you don't have any interaction with someone doing the sport, that's another huge barrier. Um, you don't really know quite how to get into it. It can seem intimidating. And then the last one is, is equipment. Um, yes, it's costly, but it's also pretty standardized. So for people with mobility needs that are different from what the standard equipment is created for, there's a few options for adaptive action sports equipment, but they're very limited and they're extremely costly. So then it just goes back the other direction. Costs are so high. There's sit skis for snowboarding. They're anywhere between two and five thousand dollars and upward i mean it, the list goes on and on and on the, the whole industry is very exclusionary because let's say you buy a sit ski and you take it up to mount hood the lifts aren't made for you to be able to get that sit ski onto the lift um so you would need to make some phone calls so that they could help prepare the mountain um all of that makes it seem like eh, i don't really want to do it that seems like a lot of hassle uh <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like there's just so much, like you said, and, and it, you made a really good point there. Okay, well, great. Well, we solved the accessibility issue because here you go, but now you got to pay a whole bunch extra because it's going to cost a whole bunch extra. So now it goes back. Okay, well, now I have finances to be worried about. You make a great point. Another thing is, yeah, getting the rides to the mountain, which also means that these people that are giving the rides need to have the extra time to be able to go and take the the, the youth to the mountains and, and all that front too in Mount Hood. 25 minutes may not seem that far, but it's far enough. Uh, it sounds like to actually, you know, not be able to get it. But, you know, and, and, and with your nonprofit, Isaiah, and, and the people that we're talking about, too, is are, typically at risk youth, which is so great at what your nonprofit does is you kind of give them an opportunity to get out and uh, try to do kind of more action sports. And you mentioned the adrenaline and, and all things of that nature as well. But, you know, one thing that uh, I learned when we spoke the first time around was, 
you know, that kind of growing issue that we're seeing with youth not participating in, in kind of healthy activities, especially community outdoor activities, and that there's actually a correlation between not having that ability and access and seeing kind of a more higher risk of engaging in harmful behavior, whatnot towards themselves or others or, or things of that nature as well. So can you just kind of elaborate a little bit on, you know, how great it is to actually get the youth, whether no matter who you are, you know, just being a kid and the greatness that it is to kind of get outdoors and, you know, whether it's an action sports or maybe it's fishing, which is a little bit, I mean, I guess it's an action sport, but certainly a little bit more laid back at times as well. And, and just getting outdoors in general. Yeah. Um, the benefits of being outdoors are many and they're talked about by <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people smarter than me. Um, this has been something that's, you know, a field of study for a long time. The physical and biological benefits, as well as the, the mental health benefits of being outside. Uh, humans are supposed to be outside. There's a concept we studied in school called free loose leave. It's a Norwegian term, uh, just means outdoor living. And it's just kind of more of a concept that everybody lives by in Norway, um, that you, that they live their life outside as the norm and they go inside kind of as an exception or as a necessity. Um, and I think often, um, certainly in my community and myself, and I think many people that I know, uh, being inside is often the norm, especially in our Northwest gray winters, being inside is kind of the norm. And you make a plan, we're gonna go outside. Um, <laughs> and that's like, uh, rather than it just being kind of the norm that, that you will be outside and participate in various activities outside, whether it's, you know, eating or socializing or whatever um they have that mindset because you know they still have held on to the importance of being outdoors and it being kind of biologically how humans are wired and where humans are meant to be um, we take shelter inside of course for survival and necessity but with covid and kind of what you alluded to We've spent a lot more time inside um, as a culture, as a nation, as, as a world uh, than we have on average in the past. And unfortunately, because of that, you know, self-harm and mental health are up astronomical uh, numbers. I'm not exactly sure of the numbers, but I've heard them several times from many different sources. Uh, I mean, they can't really lie with their... Uh, fake those numbers that that's a, an unfortunate negative consequence of being inside and the, the the mental health side of things i think it is really not only from biologically being inside but from the lack of community from the isolation being around hopefully um you have at least some community friends or family that you live with or see often but for those people that you don't know, live alone and may not have a lot of friends or family to stay connected to, then uh, that's extremely detrimental to mental health. So, you know, that, those are just kind of the key points of the importance of getting outside. Um, obviously, we, we promote outdoor sports and, and action sports specifically, but um, taking a walk, running, exercising, just being outside, uh, has, there's some very interesting I wish I had a Google search keyword or something, but there's some very interesting articles just about what being actually in the woods separately from just outside being in the woods does to your body, your blood pressure, um, a bunch of biological responses that are extremely healthy just by essentially if you just go out into the deep woods and stand there for like eight hours, there's a whole bunch of, um, trackable biological benefits to that, which is just kind of wild. Yeah, it's insane. And you're 100% right. I mean, I've heard that as well. I, uh, you know, the Norway thing I find fascinating. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that was kind of their way of life and, and that idea. And the fact that they do that too, you mentioned the weather, you know, you're based down in the Portland area and, and you know, I'm up in the Seattle area for the most part. And, you know, and 
we think about the the weather being an issue. Well, think about Norway. Norway's climate is is arguably worse than ours when it comes to the winter and getting dark and, and things of that nature as well. Yet they still find it so important to get outside and make that be the norm. I think that's something that we definitely need more of here and, and obviously something you're promoting with your nonprofit. And then that forest, you know, just being out in the forest. I had a, a gal on at one point um, of Mogami Wellness, Saori Okada, and she has the practice for, for you know, forest bathing and the what kind of exactly what you alluded to is what it's called. And you just go out, you take a walk in the forest and the amount of stress release that you get, the, the positive hormones and chemical releases, it just makes you feel so much better and it's beneficial. So lots of lots of great insight, like you mentioned, with the data points on that front, too, that we can definitely uh, Google search with that right keyword. Um, but with that, Isaiah, let's talk a lot about uh, your solution now. You know, we've kind of talked about some of the issues that we've seen and, and things of that nature. I'd love to learn more exactly about what Anchors Outdoor Adventures does and uh, how you kind of coordinate these trips and, and all these other things, the organizations that you work with on that front as well. So just give us a, a little bit of, of an example of some of these types of events and, and organized trips that you guys kind of take these uh, these youth on and, and oftentimes uh, youth that are at risk a little bit more and, and kind of need that sense of community uh, a bit more so than maybe some others in, in that realm as well. So I would love for you to just kind of give us some examples of some great trips that you guys have put together and, and how you go about organizing that. Let's take a quick time out and talk about the book recommendation for this week. And this week, I want to put a focus on The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Excuse the language there, but that is the title of the book. And it was a really fun read and an interesting one in the sense that it challenges you to improve your mental health and the way you view yourself through perhaps an unconventional way of reading. Manson is very explicit in his language, but he makes great points throughout the book. And what stood out to me the most was how he says that you should focus on solving problems in your life that you enjoy solving. He equates life to having a series of problems and that once you think that you have solved that one problem, it only creates a wave of other problems that you need to solve. Happiness or being content isn't in the destination, but the journey is the big lesson I got from this book and also the ability to prioritize what's important to me and the key problems that I should be focusing on solving in my life so I'm not dreading on the problems that cause me anxiety and things of that nature. It's a very fun and interesting read and I recommend it to everyone out there looking to isolate their problem solving and improve the way they approach life. So let's jump back into this podcast episode with the founder of Anchors Outdoor Adventures, Isaiah Adams. Yes, we we operate year-round. Uh, we have between 12 and 15 events a year. We've kind of found as our sweet spot for now. We have events in water sports, snow sports, skateboarding, and fishing currently. Definitely looking to grow into um, some other sport disciplines, but uh, I can talk about that later. The way that we kind of our service model is we work with other social service organizations that are already serving these youth in some capacity. So whether that be mentorship organizations, whether that be substance use rehabilitation organizations or transitional housing for um, houseless youth, a variety. Uh, we're always looking to kind of find new social service organizations that are making an impact and find how we can provide um, a fun and hopefully life-changing event for the youth that they work with. Um, so let's take uh, the very first organization we worked with, a transitional housing organization in Portland called Transitional Youth. We contact um, either the program director, recreation director, whoever would be in charge of, of getting kids together. We tell them how many kids we can have at that specific event, give them the details, uh, and then they bring the kids and we take care of everything else. So we provide food, we provide obviously any costs associated with the day's activities. Um, this last year, we've made a huge push to provide resources and equipment each kid can take home after the event. Um, we think that's a really important part to them kind of being empowered to hopefully continue this and maybe replace uh, other detrimental habits or activities in their life with the ones that they learned at our event. 
We have one-on-one coaching at most of our events. And then we have kind of an empowering message, a theme of the day, something that we go over in a volunteer orientation with the coaches, questions they can ask, just little tidbits, something so there's kind of a, a consistent thread through the day of what we are hoping that they get out of it. We don't make this part too long because I know for most middle-aged or uh, middle school kids are our most common age group. And I know for most middle school kids, they do not want a lesson. They don't want to be talked at. So we make it really short in the first five minutes and in the last five minutes of the event. And then that's why we kind of talk to our volunteers and give them some tools of how to connect with the kids and maybe help them think about um, ways that they can try something new, get out of their comfort zone, express themselves and their individuality in and through the sport. You know, maybe there's something they could do different from the person they see next to them to kind of make it their own. So that's, that's a, a typical event. I am really excited. So I want to go back to the equipment and the resources part. Um, that's, we just realized in the first uh, three years, we were having these fun events. We felt like we were making an impact. We were getting really good feedback from the kids and testimonials from um, the organizations about the positive impact of these events. But we just couldn't help but feel that it was like kind of getting 90% of the way towards our mission and then stopping to just give them a one day event and then say, you know, figure it out financially, or, you know, you may never be able to do this again. Uh, when our purpose is really to introduce these kids to the sports and, and help them continue on if it clicks with them. So we give uh, a skate complete. So a full skate setup to every kid after our skate events. Uh, that they could take home and we're working on a, a booklet right now that we'll have for 2023 that's going to have a map of different skate spots in the community it'll have coupons to our skate sponsor uh, club distribution's website so they can get discounted gear if they need new stuff and then kind of a treasure hunt where if they take a photo of themselves skating at you know three parks for example and send them into us and they check all three of those spots off, then they'll win um, some other cool gear that we'll send to them. And similar with fishing, um, everybody gets a rod, a reel and a fishing license for the year. So they have a one year annual fishing license to go and do this. Um, we haven't figured out snow sports and water sports yet, but um, through one of our sponsors, Eagle Portland, we're, we're hoping to get some gear rental tickets and finagle some lift tickets and stuff like that. And we can put those in the booklets as well. So the kids are, you know, participating in the event and taking home this booklet and hopefully that it will get them. That's kind of the incentive why we want them to go and make it like a treasure hunt. If you go and check off these three spots, you catch a fish at these two spots and send photo proof, then you'll win stuff. I think that would be motivating to a middle schooler. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think that's that's exactly what you need. I think as well, and I was going to ask you about that too. And and I think it's such a wonderful idea because, as you mentioned, getting them out there for the day and introducing it to them and, and showing them that activity is is obviously a great great eighty ninety percent trip of the way there, right? But then the issue is is they're still kind of going home with with a lot of the same barriers that they're facing. And now by empowering them and giving them that full skate deck so they can get out, go to their local skate park, uh, fishing pole and gear and license, obviously that could be expensive um, and giving them the hints there. I mean, I think that's immensely valuable. And then of course you got to play it in the hands of the kids, right? As I mean, and that's why uh, that obstacle in the treasure hunt game is I think pretty exciting. And that leads me into kind of my next question. You know, what type of feedback are you getting from the youth? What type of feedback are you getting from the kids out there that are kind of doing it and, and participating? and things of that nature as well because I would imagine just doing the the limited action sports that I've done and then getting some of the adrenaline that makes you feel good you feel happy you want to talk you're you're outgoing you're you're much more um community oriented than you might be even if you're someone who likes their alone time or whatnot so I would imagine you get some pretty good atmosphere good community and good vibes and and the youth are probably having a pretty good time out there yes 100 percent uh I think you know, the feedback that we get during the events and that energy that you kind of, that you mentioned is, is always 
very uh, it's very motivating for me, and I know it's motivating for um, everybody else. Makes up anchors. Uh, we're an eight person volunteer team, and uh, that's the responses and the energy of the kids is really the fuel uh, for us. And you know, we we frequently hear, at, which is you know, again, just really exciting. But we frequently hear, "This is the best day of my life," which um, is really kind of I'm taken aback by that, and and it's again very rewarding. Uh, we've had several uh, return participants, and it's cool to. These are the ones I really really like to hear some return participants that, you know, they came two years ago, they learned how to wakeboard, and then sometime in that two year gap, they got invited with a friend or a family member or someone else to go out on a boat. And they felt, you know, confident and empowered. They're like, yeah, I went out there. I told my wakeboarder before I was able to get up behind their boat. And I think that that's really cool because I, I mean, it's just that sense of belonging that most adolescents, especially, um, I can just, I remember these years a lot from like 12 to 16 um, that most kids want to feel when they get invited to go out and do something there might be a lot of self-consciousness or a lot of other emotions tied to being uncomfortable and out of their comfort zone and so by having this experience confident and comfortable to go out there and i'm clearly we're pretty excited that they were able to take the skills they learned and go do it with someone else Um, because that's ultimately that's what we do it for Um, they're going to be excited to participate in these events when they're with us, but we're also, you know, seen as, uh, the old people and the, you know, we're, we're part of their, we're like an activity extension of the organization that they're a part of, whether that's their housing or their, um, rehab facility or whatever else, they still somewhat see us as an extension of, of that social service world and being able to go out with their friends and show off their stuff is, I imagine they enjoy that a lot more. And so us being able to contribute to that is is cool. I really like hearing those types of stories. Absolutely. I mean, those are the types of stories that make you feel justified and say like, hey, this is exactly why I started this is to, you know, make this kid's day, even if it's just that one day. And I think you've taken it a step further, especially hopefully you can come out a way to to partner with some of these, uh, I don't know, ski resorts or things of that nature to get some you know, lift passes, maybe, you know, rental gear paid for for that day, whatever it might be uh, on that front. Because I, I love that idea where you're giving them the fishing gear, giving them the skate decks and letting them kind of go out, make some friends and find that community because that's exactly the important part that they're kind of missing and, and they're looking for is, is to kind of get that community. And uh, Isaiah, one thing that you mentioned to me in the past that I would love for you to elaborate on here is that kind of that the correlation, we talked about it earlier about the adrenaline uh, and things of that nature, but how action sports and adrenaline can actually help that youth, specifically youth that are kind of struggling with with substance abuse or some mental health as well, how that adrenaline can actually help them combat that um, that battle that they're having and whatnot. Yeah, um, that is something I found extremely interesting. Personally, have done some research on that when you are participating in action sports, they call them adrenaline sports or action sports, there's a heightened level of, you know, adrenaline release compared to other sports because the risk factor is higher and your, your body is physically telling you to stop what you're doing. Um, it's by a lot, it's dangerous to your, <laughs> your physical health, uh, whether that's, you know, you're up too high in the air, you're going too fast, you're, not in control of your board or whatever, you're getting that adrenaline rush because your body is telling you that it is at risk of getting itself hurt. Um, Well, that's the same mindset and that's the same neurological reaction that is happening with um, a lot of substance use. Now, there's a whole lot of other (laughs) science that goes into the way that various substances dopamine and serotonin levels and all of those things. Um, Those are the chemicals at work. But there is still the adrenaline element, the epinephrine element to these substances that you are, that your body is telling you that you are 
harming yourself. And since those, since these two sports or since these two activities share that same common ground, um, it makes action sports an excellent replacement and rehab tool because we, it's important you, you know, participate with good equipment and coaches and in a controlled setting. Um, so you don't hurt yourself, but, um, it allows you to, in a much healthier way, experience that risk factor. And I, I think that's just appealing, um, definitely to the kids that we worked with in substance abuse programs. Um, I can see the transformation from the morning when they arrive. Kids are at all different stages in these programs. So some have been there for three months or six months. Some have been there for two days. Um, so they're going to be in way different headspaces. If you are, you know, a heavy and hard drug user, um, depending on that drug, um, two, three days is a very difficult time <laughs> for your head, uh, for your body. Um, you are just experiencing really, really difficult withdrawals. And I can see that on some of the kids' faces. I can see that they are tired, they're drained, they're grumpy, and they really do not want to be there. By the time 10, 11, 12 o'clock rolls around, they are entirely different people um, after they've had a chance to, to get out and participate in some of the sports. So although I don't have any controlled studies, I've got my eyes and, and experience watching these kids do this. And, and there's definitely, it's definitely working. Yeah, it for sure. And we may not have those controlled studies in front of us, but we do know that the data says if you're outdoors and you're having to, you know, that's step one in the right direction, of course. And then anytime you can kind of mimic that brain response to like what you said, that's always a much healthier way to do so uh, out in the uh, action sports world. than of course, um, you know, the alternative, which might be uh, struggles with substance abuse and, and things of that nature as well, which can obviously um, lead to some not great outcomes on that front. So definitely a great and great option there. And uh, that, that's what matters, right? It's what the eyes can see and what the kids are telling you when they tell you that it's the best day of their lives, right? That's all you need to hear. I, I think even for youth that aren't struggling with substance abuse, um, the appeal uh, to do something dangerous that that's, I don't know, that embodies adolescence, uh, whether it's the rebellious spirit or just the, the spirit to, to do something wild and dangerous, um, as an adolescent, you're exploring what your limits are and you feel young and invincible. And so we want to give them opportunities, give them some experience and some training before they go and try these things without any of that, without the proper equipment or the proper training and, and hurt themselves, um, which I did a lot of. And even if they continue to to do these sports, they're gonna they're gonna hurt themselves, and that is just part of the nature. But having something you're passionate about and getting some injuries from it is far better than some of the alternatives we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, mental health wise, you know what I mean? If you don't have anything you're passionate about that you enjoy getting out and doing, you know, that's going to cause some negative outcomes there. So if your passion's getting out there and getting banged up a little bit, falling off your skis or falling off the skate deck or wiping out on the water on your water skiing or whatever it might be, uh, that's a much better alternative on that front. Isaiah, yeah, you mentioned, uh, I think that middle middle uh, school kids are generally the primary age. Uh, tell us a little bit about the the youth that you see. Uh, obviously, do they always come from other organizations that you kind of partner with to put these events on? Or do they come from, you know, maybe some parents just want to enroll these kids in that? Like, where, where are kind of these kids coming from to participate in, in your events? 90% of our participants come from partner organizations. Um, we are not, there's not a limit to that. Um, so uh, the, our service model, our demographic is... 25 and under, that is what we've um, decided is the de definition of youth for us. Um, there's a couple other organizations we worked with that use that 25 number. So we just said, okay, 25 it is. So 25 and under, and they experience a barrier to outdoor recreation. Um, some of the barriers we talked about earlier, that is as simple as our service model is. 
kid falls in that range, then they're in. Um, why we selected the partner organization service model is a lot due to transportation. It can be really difficult to uh, provide transportation for kids, liability reasons, and you know we might have to run some sort of circuit all around the Portland metro area picking kids up like a school bus. Um, and so these partner organizations that we work with, they already have contact information, they already have rapport with the parents, which kind of adds an additional level of, of trust and security for the parents that are sending these kids out to you know, go skateboarding or wakeboarding or whatever. Um, and so it just makes the sign up process a little bit easier um, to say, hey, you know, we can we can take 20 kids on this date. You handle signing up which 20 kids would like to come and bring them. But we have had several um, over the years, kids who we just hear about through the grapevine. Uh, someone reaches out to us and says that they're really interested and we just get them plugged in into one of the events um, as a couple extra um, participant registrations. So, you know, certainly if there if there ever is any parents or uh, guardians or anybody that knows of someone who could benefit from the programs, like we always encourage people to reach out to us and we'll make sure that they get uh, in attendance to one of our events. Awesome. Fantastic. And you mentioned the, a lot of the, the the providers that you partner with and the other organizations on that front. And you elaborated on a couple on what they do as well. But, you know, what are ways that um, they can kind of get in contact with you guys as well if they're listening and they want to? Uh, did I know that you mentioned making some outreach to them, but what are ways that uh, they can kind of outreach to you and partner with your organization to to put this on and, and to have their kids and into their their youth and adolescence, uh, you know, get out and have an impactful experience? Yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing it up. Through our website, there's a partner registration link. And so if you just go to the register tab um, and say request an event, uh, you can either sign up as an individual and request an event, or um, it's specifically tailored for other organizations to say, hey, we would like to, to partner with you and have an event with you. Um, I do want to reiterate and remind people our events are 100% free to the kids and to the partner organizations. Um, I think sometimes people don't get back to us because they think we're trying to sell them an expensive event and we're trying to sell it to their nonprofit. Um, it's not the case. It's it's very free. Um, but we do. I, mean, I appreciate you bringing it up because we do struggle to get committed partner organizations. Um, the ones that we've worked with have been fantastic, um, but they are a small sample of how many total organizations we've reached out to that it just kind of falls through and I don't really know a much better option to say <laughs> we're going to we're going to take care of absolutely everything we're going to feed them we're going to give them free gear coaching a super fun event everything is 100% paid for I I don't know if what what the people's hesitation is but um if there's anybody that listens to this that knows of a, a partner organization in the Portland metro area or even Seattle area or the Central Oregon area are two other areas that we've targeted that we'd love to take uh, an event on the road to, please reach out, send us an email on our website and um, we'll get in contact, try to make something happen. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good pitch to me, Isaiah. I, I'm a little clueless as well as why they would be uh, signing up uh, the doors on all free events. And plus, they, you know, the, they're gone for the day and they're doing something fun and adventurous. I mean, it sounds like a win-win. So when you start talking about these uh, partner organizations and things of that nature as well, I know you mentioned some examples earlier, but uh, yeah, which ones in specific are you kind of looking forward to expand? You know, if, if they're listening right now or someone's listening and might know them, you know, what are some of the kind of criteria that they can meet uh, to, in order to be a good partner for you guys. I want to take a quick break to talk about some of the key benefits the youth can get by participating in outdoor sports. And so there are lots of studies and benefits to sports programs specifically for at-risk use as well. Number one, of course, this one 
is one that you would exactly think, and that's a healthier population, right? I mean, kids more often than not these days are more sedentary than they have ever been, and that's due in large part to their electronic devices and other distractions as well. If you can get kids outside and active, specifically in outdoor adventure style sports, it's going to lead to healthier outcomes. Also, and this is one thing that Anchors Outdoors Adventures does so well, and that is helping to break down some of the financial barriers, especially with some of these action sports, whether you're going skiing or snowboarding or even fishing or or water skiing or things of that nature as well. Those can be very costly and it can be difficult for kids to get out and do so on their own. And so having the opportunity to break down some of the financial barriers like Anchors Outdoors Adventures does to provide this experience for them is a wonderful, wonderful way to get them interested and active more often and to have this become a hobby for them. Some other quick benefits, of course, that you can expect to see for youth with athletic programs, including, of course, outdoor adventure sports includes creating healthier habits for the future. Goal setting right creates leadership skills, uh, multitasking. It can help improve your sleep patterns because of the energy that you're burning off throughout the day as well. And it hones in on problem solving skills, of course, increases hand-eye coordination and motor skills and fosters self-discipline and teaches teamwork. All very important skills to have, especially so for those youth that are at risk at the time. So wonderful benefits for outdoor adventure sports. And another reason why I really enjoy Isaiah's and his team's solution with Anchors Outdoor Adventures to really benefit these at-risk youth and to put some good, positive, addictive sports into their lives and to be able to kind of focus that energy on that. So without further ado, let's continue to learn more about Anchors Outdoor Adventures and how they are empowering youth to get outside and enjoy themselves through outdoor adventure sports. Um, I mean, we're pretty open. Again, they need to be serving um, youth at risk, youth with barriers to outdoor recreation. Um, and that is a very broad category. Um, so uh, so th- they need to, you know, have that service model and some sort of situation where they can provide transportation. Um, that's really it. Um so that, again, we've had a lot of success with mentorship uh, organizations. So a lot of people know the Boys and Girls Club of America. That's like probably the most popular. Uh, we haven't worked with them, but the other organizations that we've worked with, um, they function just like that. It's a one-on-one mentorship organization where uh, volunteer mentors sign up and they spend time with kids and do fulfilling activities with them after school and things like that. So we've had a lot of luck there because oftentimes the mentors can attend as well. Mentors can bring um, their mentee with them and kind of provide one-on-one transportation. Um, the uh, rehabilitation agency that we've worked with, they have you know 12 passenger vans so that they can just kind of bring everybody um, at once. Um, I, I really enjoy working with transitional housing these kids are most often older. I, I shouldn't say mostly older, but they're you know often in the 18 to 19 range. The ability to kind of level with them uh, and their ability to take their skateboard and go to the skate park without you know permission and, and other things like that is a little bit higher. So um, I, I really enjoy working with that. 16 to 19, 16 to 20 age range, because uh, just because, you know, they're, they're kind of young adults at that point, um, still very much youth, but uh, they, I, I just, I see how what we're instilling on the event day could very well continue on. Sometimes when it's, you know, really young kids, we've, we've had kids as young as four, I think even younger. Um, and they're, I mean, they're just rolling around on the skateboard and, and it's a lot of fun. Personally, I, I enjoy working and connecting with the, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little bit of, a little bit different with the older, the, the, the young adults. <laughs> I really didn't answer your question very well because we, there's just not a ton of parameters. We would really like to hear from anyone and everyone that, you know, is already working with kids 
that fit that model. So again, under 25 and experience a, a barrier to recreation. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of kids that need to get out there and, and really enjoy themselves and try some new things and, you know, get outdoors too many, you know, and maybe I'm sounding old in this, but you know, too many times, like you mentioned, easy to just stay inside, play video games all day, especially in the Northwest this time of year. And it's a lot better if you can get on outside. It's just better for you if you just sit outside in the woods. But yeah, Isaiah, and, and, and lastly, uh, when it comes to your, your team and your coaches, I believe you said you have uh, eight, eight volunteers that, that kind of work and, and participate or, or how does that work? from the staff yes um so board of three which is the have to have three board members and um the two other board members we run the organization together um, they've been with me from the start on this and um, just a fantastic team um do you want me to like highlight everybody <laughs> I, I just talk about, yeah, a little bit more. Just I wanted to just see what the kind of the coach atmosphere is like. You know, how many coaches do you have per event, uh, I guess, is a more specific question to have. Uh, that 100% um, is based on the number of participants. So, you know, we have a, a direct team of eight and our team meets, you know, two times a month. We cover all of the operations and the event planning, marketing fundraising and all the things necessary to keep a nonprofit moving. But we also have a, an awesome pool of volunteers um, who, you know, there's some who come to nearly every event, some that come to, you know, just one style of sport event. Um, so depending on need, we're, we're able to bring in up to, you know, 25 volunteers is sometimes needed for the water sports events because our largest water sports uh, group was this last June. We had 63 people. So since it is a significantly larger event, we often need more more volunteers to keep up with everyone. Um, sometimes we're able to just tackle an event with our team. Uh, we, we call ourselves crew members. Um, so uh, keeping with the nautical theme uh, of anchors. So sometimes we're just able to kind of handle the staffing in-house and other times we don't have to reach out to anyone and everyone all hands on deck to try to get enough people fantastic isaiah then uh, most importantly how can people support how can people help out the organization what are some ways to donate uh, if people out there would like to uh, contribute to the fund and, and contribute the, the opportunity for these uh, young kids and, and at-risk youth to get out and, and have a good opportunity outdoors and, and uh, expose themselves to some new uh, opportunities and sports and activities check out our website our social media options, um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I'll send you links. You can put them with the podcast. There's contact page on our website, um, ways to get involved. There's a volunteer application form on there um, as well. So just find a way to reach out. Um, send us an email, info at anchorsaway.org or DM on social media, anything like that. We're, we're pretty prompt. So um, if you send an email, I'll see it within, I don't know, I check my email at least probably once an hour. So uh, we will get back to you within the same day, I'm 100% sure. Um, and then we'll find out, you know, how you want to get involved. We're, we're pretty open. That's how our whole team got together and got assembled is we met with people who said they're interested in joining and we said, okay, what do you want to do? They said what they wanted to do and we said, okay, that's your job now. Um, you know, we, we don't really assign things uh, to people. Obviously, there's some of that that has to go on. But for the most part, if you want to get involved, we let we let you tell us how you want to get involved. And then that's how you're going to be involved. Uh, so very open ended. We don't force anybody into any requirements. You have to volunteer at this many events if you want to be a volunteer or you have to stay for the whole event. You know, just tell us what you what you can do and what you want to sign up for and make it happen go from there get yourself involved you heard the man why don't you head over to the website if you're interested in volunteering and helping out or donating and you can certainly uh, do so by reaching out via email or dm on social media or if you want to donate there's a donate opportunity on the website as well if you would like to make uh, more of a financial contribution uh, and then of course you can get in more involved by contacting isaiah there as well so isaiah anything else you would like to add here before i let you go that you think we may have missed throughout the the show play off the, the last thing you said um obviously as a nonprofit, donations are, are vital to our organization um but it doesn't need to be 
it's not a financial requirement. Um, that's why, you know, I led with volunteers. Time is a donation. If you um, have a, a business or a friend has a business that intersects with our mission at all um, and can donate, you know, in-kind goods or services, uh, whether that, that be, you know, coaching services, uh, not, you know, sports coaching, although it could be, but also, you know, business coaching, marketing, um, things to help us grow. Those are all things we look for. If somebody wants to, to help out, we're almost never going to miss that opportunity. So I just wanted to remind people that oftentimes donate is seemingly financial. Um, it, you know, people's time is extremely valuable and their other people's experience. And uh, we would love to soak that in as well. Well, the, well, the second thing I wanted to add was just a, a thank you to our sponsors and, and the, the companies that have been extremely helpful to us. So uh, Conley Water Sports, Club Distribution, Evo of Portland, Migration Brewing, Mark Technologies, and the World Wakeboard Association. Um, they have been, and Sparky's Pizza, uh, been extremely helpful. Uh, we couldn't do these events without our sponsors. Uh, would either need to fundraise astronomically more to make these things happen um, or our events would be much smaller, much less cool. So um, all the sponsors make it happen. We've served 520 youth to date, We've been around for almost five years, and that is because of sponsors, volunteers, partners, everybody that we work with. So shout out to the sponsors in the background, making stuff happen, right? Exactly that. And all the volunteers and people that you've worked with uh, on that front too. So uh, Isaiah, thank you so much for, for hopping on the podcast and having this conversation with me. I think what you're doing is fantastic. Anytime you can get uh, kids out there and especially kids that are more at risk than others and do not have those types of community opportunities in the form, maybe financially or, or from a guardian to be able to get out and try these things on their own and to be able to expose kids to that in, in a manner that's completely free and, and give them that opportunity and to enable that chance for the best day in their life, quote unquote, uh, I think is a wonderful way to uh, really help them find a sense of community and, and curb some of the issues that they're battling. So I applaud you for that. And thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a great opportunity. That's Isaiah Adams. He is the founder of the nonprofit Anchors Outdoor Adventures. Again, you can find out more information about Anchors uh, Outdoor Adventures at anchorsoa.org. You can also find them on social media, but do not worry. We will have all of those links available within the show notes as well to make it easy for you. And definitely encourage uh, you to send over a donation. If you're far away from the Northwest area, specifically in Portland, send over a donation. Or if you're within the, that Portland region as well, there's always some volunteer opportunities. You have a little bit of extra time. Time is a very valuable resource. Or uh, if you're a business listening and you can provide some services on that front in the area as well. Well, I encourage you to do the same on that front. And of course, if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, I'd very much appreciate it. If you helped me out, give me a five-star review. If you can hit subscribe, sign up for the newsletter as well to get more behind the scenes access to the podcast. But that will wrap up this edition of the Talking Solutions podcast. As always, appreciate your time. And I look forward to speaking with you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talking Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talking Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.